This week, coming to grips with residential school trauma in Newfoundland and Labrador, and Mi'kmaq women in Nova Scotia try to stop a work camp and the dangers it poses to women and girls. A warning that this story may be triggering for some listeners. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. Thanks for your support via patreon.com and email transfer mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. Two items for you this week. Later, we'll hear about efforts by Mi'kmaq women in Nova Scotia to stop construction of a man camp that they say poses risks to Indigenous women and girls. But first, some reflections on the 215, the Indigenous children whose bodies were found near that residential school in BC. These have been difficult days for survivors of residential schools and for all those Indigenous people affected by that legacy. In Newfoundland and Labrador, the ongoing effects of residential schools are felt most intensely by Inu and Inuit. As with so much of the indigenous reality in Labrador, the rest of the province is disconnected from the pain and the challenges. The Moravian Mission and the International Grenfell Association operated residential schools in Labrador. They were the subject of a class action settlement. But the Catholic Church has also loomed large in the lives of Inu and the undermining of their culture working in concert with the government to coerce Native people into leaving their land and moving into settlements. I spoke with Marianne Nui, Deputy Grand Chief of the Inu Nation, about the impact on her community of the tragic discovery in BC. A warning, this may be a difficult story for some listeners. Well, first of all, it was, um, it was very shocking. I was very shocked. I was very shocked and I immediately started to feel very emotional when I was, uh, when I had this colleague uh, telling me the story about it, uh, what the press, uh, press release was. And I was like, I, I didn't see it, but she explained it that the way she was um, while reading it. And uh, I was, I became very emotional. And uh, I, I immediately went uh, went home to look for my grandchildren, mm-hmm. and um, you know, one of my grandchildren, one of my granddaughters, was asking me, "Why? What's wrong? Why are you crying?" And uh, I just simply replied by saying, "You know, I just love you," and I didn't. I didn't want to tell her what I what I was told and what I was informed, and I just felt I needed to get to my grandchildren and tell them that I love them. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been really uh, it's been it's been hard, and especially the first day I was um, I didn't know how to I I didn't know how to engage it, but other than just feeling emotional. And then afterwards, I uh, I started to feel anger and very uh, I started to feel very upset of what the whole incident that occurred in those two fifteen children. 
Have you had any conversations um, with people in your community? About the, the families that, uh, you know, experience residential schools and uh, know the history, you know, the background of it uh, are very upset. We're very upset and they were triggered by the, um, you know, by uh, the history of it. And they started talking about how, how they were treated and uh, a lot of families are, you know, are starting to get worried about their own children. You know, they're, they're going out and looking after their children, especially in a small, in a small communities. I think people in Newfoundland and Labrador uh, don't realize the history in our province we have with residential schools, um, mostly in, um, in Labrador, um, but of course, people on the island—they're uh, somewhat disconnected from the from the reality. So, if you were going to explain to people elsewhere in the province about the the history of uh, of residential schools uh, and dormitory schools, day schools, that sort of thing, uh, what would you uh, what would you tell them? I, uh, you know, it's pretty on it's it's on it's you know it's been ongoing for a long time with the province not being uh, not being educated when it comes to indigenous groups in Labrador, especially uh, about Inu and uh, Inuit. And uh, I think it's about time the province, uh, the Newfoundland, should uh, you know should open oh, should have open mind and uh, you know and try to have a compassion and carry out the understanding of those uh, two indigenous groups in uh, Labrador that are struggling, the struggles they face uh, in the communities, and, you know, they need to be proper educated, uh, especially the schools and the uh, uh, universities such as uh, colleges need to bring out more, um, you know, they need to educate students even more so in um, in Labrador of course we've heard about the um, we've heard about the Moravian um, schools and the Grenfell International Grenfell Association they were part of that uh, lawsuit that um, some people might have heard of but um, of course the Catholic Church was also active in Labrador with um, with schools and um, and I understand that many people from um, Inu communities and other people in Labrador also were at the Mount Cashel Orphanage uh, over the years, and people, of course, will have will know that name, the Mount Cashel Orphanage. I know, for instance, the uh, Roman Catholic plays a big role when it comes to Inu. Um, they had a big impact on the Inu culture. They had a big impact on the uh, Inu languages. And a lot of uh, a lot of the older generation has suffered from uh, from trauma, uh, from the sexual abuse and the uh, physical abuse, uh, verbal abuse, and spiritual abuse. It's mostly, you know, the uh, it's um, it it all comes out together. And with this two fifteen, uh, uh, you know, the the release that. Uh, with the 215 children is that a lot of our members are triggered by the by that issue, 
because they all suffered. A lot of them suffered from the same incident, but not as uh, not as not as much as genocide. But uh, you know, it's the um, it's the abuse that they were experiencing in from the Roman Catholic churches and schools. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, there's a there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of our members are very uh, you know triggered by this uh, by this two fifteen. There's the uh, the line that people can call for uh, if they're uh, residential school survivors. Maybe but maybe that's not um, maybe that's not enough for um, some people. Maybe they need more more support. Well, first of all. I um you know, in my knowledge I I I strongly believe the Roman Catholic need to take the to take up the responsibility full responsibility of what happened to all the First Nations in Canada. Especially Labrador. Especially Labrador. I'm 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 including indigenous like when I'm including Inu and Inuit on this issue because we all suffered from it. And uh, if uh, you know, if uh you know, even if the uh, the um, international uh, investigation call is uh, is ongoing right now, I think that's a very good uh, step for to uh, to you know to see what the outcome is. That it's a, it's a big uh, opening for Canada, mm-hmm. and the uh, you know if Newfoundland can't see that, I I don't know what else <laughs> is there. Is it I don't know. It's it's really hard for me to uh, in in my experience as a Labradorian, you know, uh, as an Inuit person, I experienced racism throughout my life within Newfoundland and and with a non-Indigenous group. So that's always been uh, that's always been my struggle. I uh, I understand the fact that uh, you know. I did not want to go to school in Newfoundland. As soon as I finished uh, the, this high school, I decided to go off somewhere in another province. I knew the school. I know uh, Newfoundland was very. Uh, um, I I was discriminated because of my color of my skin, the color of my skin, and over I was from, which was Davis Met. and and that was uh, that was the labeling I I received from. Uh, from Newfoundland because I was from Davidson. So the negative, uh, you know, the negative, uh, you know, stories that occurred about Davidson that then they, the color of my skin is, uh, you know, I grew up receiving negative comments about other people. Mm-hmm. So that's why I never went to school in Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. I chose to go to school in other provinces. And Newfoundland is, you know, has a long way to go when it comes to education. Mm. They need to be educated. Mm. We have uh, members, uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, workers uh, from uh, Newfoundland that coming into our community. They have no idea what they're getting themselves into. They have no education background on the uh, Inu, in the, uh, you know, Inu communities in uh Especially with Shihaji, they're not Washish. So the the province needs to step up and do something about it, and they need to do something when it comes to apologizing of those uh, two or fifteen uh, children as well. They haven't stepped up uh, at all. How do you feel about the um, the call for the Pope to make an apology to uh, 
Indigenous people? Do you think that's... in 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 my in my perspective, in my opinion, it's not enough. And I believe the uh, you know the apology is not going to make any difference of what happened to those children. And, uh, you know, we can't bring back those children. Those are the children that never made it to their families. And those children were undocumented. And it was, uh, you know, they kept that as a secrecy. And it was a genocide. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's unforgivable. It's... I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's unforgivable what apology is going to do for those families what apology is going to do for all indigenous uh, i mean first nations across canada especially in labrador that's my opinion on it marianne nui deputy grand chief of the Inu nation the number for the national indian residential school crisis line for former students and those affected is one 866-925-4419. You're listening to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Last week was the second anniversary of the release of the final report of the National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. Among the report's findings was the connection between work camps and natural resource projects and the higher rate of sexual assault and harassment of women, indigenous women in particular. With that finding in mind, Mi'kmaq women in Nova Scotia are speaking out against a liquefied natural gas project planned for the province's eastern shore. The project comes with a 5,000-person work camp that would be built in a rural area. The Nova Scotia Native Women's Association is opposed to the camp and is lining up meetings with the 13 Mi'kmaq chiefs who are negotiating with the developer to provide services to the project. We spoke with Karen Picto, Executive Director of the Nova Scotia Native Women's Association. The closest um, proximity to a community would be the Buckingham First Nation community. To my understanding, the entrance and exit points to the Goldboro mine, as well as the work camp, will be a road only accessed through Buckingham First Nation. So our concern is with the safety and well-being of the entire community, but more specifically, Indigenous women, girls, and Two-Spirit people. And uh, this will be uh, quite a large camp, 5,000 people. And uh, I suppose uh, as these things go, mostly there would be men uh, because that's usually work in these industrial projects. So there's like any other. Um, do you have a, a sort of breakdown of what the um, 5,000 would be? Mostly mostly men? Are you I have no idea. But I mean, if you looked at Stats Canada, I'm sure it would give you a, a better idea of the number of uh, overall women in the trades, as well as mm. uh, gender diverse people, yes. and then an even smaller amount um, from the, the full um, number of women would be Indigenous women. So I know in Nova Scotia, 
Um, they've been working on increasing the number of Indigenous women in the trades, and I believe it's it's around 2% for all of Nova Scotia. So mm. I would assume it would be close to that percentage-wise across the country within the, the trade sector. Mm. Um, as uh, typically with these projects, you have... Uh, multiple opinions uh, and um, you probably are hearing from people who say um, well you know we need the work these will be good paying jobs um, you know let's make it happen are you what what has been the response to the concerns that you've been raising um, the response to the concerns um, so far have been mostly um, response from our own people, our own Mi'kmaq chiefs, um, and in theory, I believe wholeheartedly that they support our position, um, and uh, we did receive commitment today that we will be speaking amongst all the Nova Scotia Mi'kmaq chiefs so that we can discuss this matter first together before uh, we decide what further action will take place, but ultimately we understand that Nova Scotia Mi'kmaq people do not have um, legal right to the mineral or other resources within our province and that the ultimate decision of stopping this from going forward will be from the province and we hope that with the province's commitment to addressing the calls to justice for the missing and murdered inquiry that they'll take these concerns seriously because at the end of the day how many jobs and how much money is more valuable than my life my daughter's lives my grandchildren's lives there is no price in my mind that that can replace any one of us. This is not new information, as you say. the The impact of these play, of camps like this are are well known all over the world. Right, right. And the fact of the matter is, is that we know that the that these issues do exist within the camps in Canada, and that's why there are specific actions um, and recommendations within the final report from the inquiry for. Um, work camps, as well as resource extraction companies. And so it is well documented. They do cause harm to Indigenous women and girls. They do increase the amount of deaths within our communities. And it also increases um, the level of violence to non-Indigenous people in the surrounding areas as well. The chiefs, uh, of course, uh, the 13 uh... Mi'kmaq First Nations, well, minus uh, Sabanakli, uh, maybe because uh, they are reconsidering, but uh, my understanding is that there was a, a sort of commercial relationship where um, the First Nations would be involved in some of the um, uh, services uh, it, with this uh, camp. Um, so have they, uh, do you think they will reconsider uh, getting involved or where, where where do they stand right now and in they're involved? Those conversations are to come next week. I do have commitment that all of the chiefs will be sitting down with Nova Scotia Native Women's Association to discuss the concerns and to create a path forward. So that will so, be that'll be an important uh, an important conversation. A very important conversation. Is there a, a day schedule for the meeting um, uh, yet or you're still working on the on the timing? Not yet. And uh, I just spoke to the lead chief over the phone um, an hour ago. <laughs> so it is in the planning stages at this point. I see. So this is a, this is a, as they say in the media, this is a developing story with, um, That's right. with important discussions and, uh, and uh, decisions to come. 
That's mm -hmm. right. And I know um, all of our 13 First Nation uh, Mi'kmaq chiefs here in Nova Scotia, I know that in their heart, they all support our their women and their children and their two-spirit people, and they want to do what's right um, by us and our communities. They represent us. And the fact of the matter is, is that the Nova Scotia Mi'kmaq people do not reap enough benefit from any of these projects to make it uh, more important than our lives. That was Karen Pictou, Executive Director of the Nova Scotia Native Women's Association. And by the way, that uh, interview was done on June 4th. Keep an eye on our Facebook page for updates on that story. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a review. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nimaltus. No